Give me more Genji. Are we live? <laughs> yeah, okay, yes, we're live. Hi everyone, it is your girl Genji. I am so excited to hang out this week. So before we dive into this episode, I first want to start off by saying thank you so much for all the support that I've gotten this far, all the feedback, the constructive criticism, the comments, like they mean so, so, so much. So thank you again for all the love and support this far. Like, uh, it warms my heart. To get right into it, because this is a little longer episode, but it will be so worth the listen, I need to give you some context around the creation of this episode. When I first started brainstorming for this episode, I was having a really hard time trying to find the right words that would paint the picture. Some of the events that completely shaped who I am as a person today happened during these events. So it is necessary to lay out all the facts correctly. I was starting to get a little frustrated because I had this timeline of getting this episode out at a certain time frame, but I just couldn't think of the best way to explain what I had envisioned for the episode. I went to visit my mom and I started explaining to her what this episode was going to be about. As I was reading to her what I had, she started correcting me on certain facts and was also adding such great details I didn't recall until she brought them up. I walked away from the conversation thinking, damn, I didn't remember half of those details because I was so young. I went on with my day and then all of a sudden I got the idea of having her on as a guest to help me paint the picture. I was so nervous she wasn't going to be about it, but with some great convincing from your girl, I was able to convince her and she became all in. I immediately went to two different stores to get an adapter and another microphone. The next day, I went to set up everything and of course I realized I didn't bring a specific cord needed for my microphone. We ended up using only one microphone and passing it back and forth. So I do want to apologize in advance for the audio again for this week. I swear it will get better. I'm teaching myself. <laughs> For this episode, I want to let you in on my childhood, but specifically my father's situation. I know my real father, but I know nothing about him. I gained a stepdad, but lost him when my mom decided to get a divorce from him. I did have a father figure in most of my developing years, but it was definitely an unusual one. These men created beliefs, triggers, and shadow work that I have had to grow and heal from. I thought, what better way to explain all of this to you than to have my mom my best friend, my number one supporter, a literal superhuman. Please give a warm welcome to Mama Jinji as she helps paint the picture for my fatherless behavior. Hi, Mom. Hi, darling. How are you? I'm good. Okay, well, I first want to say thank you for doing this. I know this was very, like, spur-of-the-moment type of thing. Yes, it was, but I'm game. I know that's something I truly am so thankful for is that you support me in everything that I do and you never really have any holdbacks from me you're fully supportive and just say go for it 1000 percent so that's one thing I'm very very grateful for absolutely I I think that as you being my child I want to support you as much as I can now had I think you doing something wrong I would definitely say it 
but for the most part, your head's on very, very good, and you head the right way. Oh, and I have all of you to thank. But okay, so for this, the reason why I have you on here is I haven't fully told you, but I wanted to do this episode on kind of the dads <laughs> that I've had in my life and just how through those experiences it shaped me to who I am today and kind of the traumas to a certain extent that I've had to go back and understand why I have them and kind of rewrite them. So I thought what better person to remind me of all those memories than yourself. That sounds good. I, I should be able to remember pretty well. <laughs> all right. So first, let's talk about how you met my real dad. Well, the first time I met him, he was in a handstand on a skateboard and he was just very hot and I was attracted to him and went to get to know him. He had lived in our neighborhood for a while. He had gone through a divorce and he was back in the neighborhood just hanging out with one of his friends and I ran into him and we started dating right after that. Wait, so I'm so curious, was he a lot older than you? Uh, no, he was, I guess, about a year or two older than me, but not not very much. Okay, so you you two started dating. How long were you dating until you had me? The total amount of time we were together was about two years. We dated for about a year, got engaged, and it was a couple months after that I found out I was pregnant, and I kind of backed up and said I need to reevaluate the situation because of how I saw him with his other daughter. So we ended up calling the wedding off and just, we ended up switching apartments that we were living in because um, we were in an upstairs unit. We didn't want to have a baby in an upstairs unit. So we moved to a ground floor unit and you came around about six months after that. It's crazy how much it seems you had to change your life <laughs> just knowing that you're about to have a child. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but I that, that did impress me with him, with the stairs, because the stairs were inside, and he did say, you know, he was worried that you might fall down them, so that we ended up moving. So that was a plus on his side at the time. Go real dad. <laughs> okay, so... You have me, but that is a very interesting story because I re have I remember you telling me that you thought I was a boy up until I was literally born. So tell me about that. Well, I had a sonogram and or ultrasound, whatever, and they told me, and I guess your foot was kind of tucked up in your crotch area because they told me you were a boy. And from that point forward, I planned for a boy. I had a whole room set up. It was all blue. I, my brother had bought these little Air Jordan tennis shoes that were in the style at that time. And we had a little hat for you. He had a little Dallas Cowboy uh, t-shirt for you. I mean, the whole room was completely set up. And I went into labor. And after, I don't know, like six hours, I was pushing. They told me to push again. And I'm like, you know, somebody do something here. And they're like, do you want us to go get it? And I said, absolutely. <laughs> so they took the forceps and they pulled you out and they go, it's a girl. And I remember the look on my mom's face was like, oh shit, she's not planning on a girl. <laughs> 
I can't even imagine you have this whole room completely decked out. You're almost, I mean, you expected me to be a boy. And then I turned out to be a girl. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, no, I'm so glad you were a girl. It, that was actually a blessing in disguise, I think. Um, but after I had you the next day, I left the hospital. I went to the mall. I returned everything and bought all new and made... Um, I think it was carousel is what your room was. It was little carousel horses on everything. So I had to redo the room before you got home from the hospital. Okay, so something else about babies is I know most people already have the baby name already picked out. So I, I, I'm i sure you already had a boy name picked out. So if I was a boy, what would my name currently be? Your name would have been Connor. <laughs> I hate that name. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> It is such a not me, <laughs> but that's okay. That's okay. Okay. So then how long did it, did you think of my name like on the spot or did it take some time? No, I wanted you to have, because I always like girls names that sound kind of tough. So I wanted a tough sounding name, but my name has got three syllables. So I wanted your name to have three syllables and I wanted it to be able to be shortened. So it sounded like a tough girl name. And that's how you got your name. Hell yeah. Okay, so my dad, from what I remember, he wasn't... I, I mean, I, I remember a little bit of him. I remember hanging out with him. I definitely remember him taking me to Kings Island and you getting extremely mad um, because I got extremely sunburned. But what what happened there? Like, why was he not fully in my life? And, and to add on to this, when did like you guys decide to separate and that you decided you wanted to do the single mom route? Well, the first six months, or actually the first six weeks, I had it pretty much figured out. I was getting up, taking care of you. I was doing all the grocery shopping, all the laundry, house cleaning, I mean, everything. He was going to work. He worked third shift, so he would come home at like 3 a.m., and you would wake up between 2.45 and 3.15 in the morning for a feeding. And I never understood while he wasn't come, when he would get home why he just couldn't do it. So I could actually have some sleep. And I just kind of noticed he only wanted to work and play with his car. And that just wasn't enough for a dad. So I told him that I was going to move out with you. And he said that he was not going to be another weekend dad like he was with his first daughter and I ended up taking you to Florida I had a girls trip planned and we all had our kids you were 10 or 11 months old I think at the time and you learned to walk down there we had the best vacation ever I came back and he had moved and not told anybody he moved out of state no freaking way <laughs> I wonder if you telling him basically like you neither the step up or I'm moving on that just freaked him out again and he was just like I can't do it I think it probably did um like I said with his first daughter he just didn't do much with her he just wasn't all in and I ended up doing a lot with her I enjoyed her I didn't have a problem with her but I wasn't going to watch him do that to you so were you scared to do the single mom thing? Like, I can't even imagine the stress, the pressure, like the anxiety, like what was going through your head? 
Um, I'm a pretty strong person and if I don't feel like the people around me are pulling their weight or doing what I thought that he should have been doing, I would have rather just been alone because I knew I could do it on my own and I had support from my mom and another woman who was like a second mom. So I knew having them in my corner, I was going to be okay. That is something that I have noticed over the years that I think I've definitely like gotten ingrained is that if people around me like can't hold themselves up to a certain like standard then you know I have to move on type of thing and I think that's truly like seeing that in you has helped me navigate a lot through this life for sure oh I agree I raised you to be very independent and able to care for yourself um, that's the way I was raised I think it's really important for women to be that way you got to understand you cannot be dependent on a man that that's more of a benefit not something you just go and seek I, I don't like the way we were taught that you you know you go to school you then you go to college then you get married then you have kids that just was never my way of a viewpoint that I had so I didn't let you grow up with that same thing that you could be anything you wanted just put the work in do the time and whatever you wanted to be successful at, you could. But it didn't have to be the standard, you know, this is how life is supposed to go. I'm seriously so fucking lucky that you're my mom and this is the way you think. Because I cannot imagine having to have a different type of mindset. Like, I am so fucking blessed. Okay, so going back, you come back from this amazing vacation. And he is completely gone what do you what do you do next what are your thoughts well i had already moved out i bought a condominium and you and i had moved into that and like i said he had made the comment that he did not want to be a weekend dad and he just said that i mean he was just gone there there was no questions no nothing so at that point i you know decided you know i was at work and i had my work and i had you and i found a wonderful person who I had known prior that babysat and she was like another mother to you. And I knew that we would be fine. I just didn't know what I truly wanted in my life at that time. I admire you on that. And what was my babysitter's name? Rita. Oh, yes, that's it. Oh, I love that queen. Oh, she was the best babysitter ever. Okay, so after all this, how long are you single and till you meet my soon-to-be stepfather, Frank. I met him when you were probably about three and a half. Things did not work out at that time, and it, about a year later, he kind of re-entered the picture. But, I mean, I dated a couple people on and off, but nothing that got real serious or no one that I ever thought I would, you know, be together with. And most of them I didn't even let you even meet. That just, that was not right. I was about to say, I only remember meeting maybe one, and I know you were serious about it, and it just obviously didn't work out because Frank later on came came into the picture, but that was something, I, I looking back on it now, I'm very thankful that you didn't because I can't even imagine, like, all of the thoughts that I would have had, like, who is this person and these people, you know, coming in and then leaving my life and just all that, so thank you <laughs> for doing that. Oh, absolutely. I, I, it was very important for it to me that you didn't see a bunch of people coming in and going. That's just not what a child needs to deal with. You just need to be happy and have your, you know, your fun and going to the, you know, amusement park on the weekends. And that was all you needed. 
anybody that I was seeing at the time, I didn't want them to meet you either because until I decided they were good enough to be with me, then they certainly weren't good enough to be with you. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) So Frank re-enters your life a year later and I remember, I remember the first time I met him, we were at the condo, we were still living in the condo and he, I'm pretty sure I was eating like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with cheese puffs and he came over wanting a bite and I just remember looking at him and just thinking, the fuck? (laughs) This is my food, not yours, which is crazy because you know, foreshadowing later on, he always took my food, always. Like, I was at the point where I remember writing my name on the to-go, yes, the to-go boxes, counting, like, how many chicken nuggets I had left, and literally counting individually the fries. And even to this day, like, after you guys get uh, got the divorce, um, we later moved on, and you and I were just living together. I remember still counting my food because, you know, I would count the bananas. I always just have just been really into counting food. Yes, you have. I do not know where that came from, but but he liked to tease you with that because you would you would put in your little styrofoam box with your name on it in the fridge, and you would go to bed, and he would giggle as he would open it up and pull out a chicken nugget or whatever and eat it, and he's like, wonder if she'll notice that, and it's like, of course she's going to notice <laughs> And I didn't have any siblings. I was the only child. So, of course, I knew it was him taking my shit, too. Retracking back, because I was still so young, I don't fully remember. I I remember you guys getting married. I just remember kind of everything moving very, very fast. I don't know if that's exactly the case. So, you he re-enters your life you decide to introduce to me like what was the span between you guys then getting married i don't remember exactly i know for a year we dated he lived in a different city so he was driving from uh basically chicago to cincinnati every weekend for about a year and a half and after that we had decided that yes we were going to live together and move forward And so we ended up moving into his house um, that he had. I guess it went from there. So, a year and a half. Okay. I remember not, not particularly liking him. I don't know what it was. I don't know if you remember. I don't even know if I remember it truly. But I do remember telling you not to get married to him. Something that I enjoyed about my childhood was, of course, our relationship and how close we were. But how open you were about subjects that I needed to be included on. Because you thought that I was mature enough to handle these situations. And... I know you never pressured me into thinking like this is your new dad like he's now in charge of you You were very understanding and saying like I am your mom he has come into our life we are going to grow as you know a unit a family and I thought that was very cool but there was something about him that I just remember I didn't like so do you remember me telling you not to marry him I do but you were also about five years old so I was not going to take your word on it Looking back. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. My energy is always on point since the five years old, baby. Okay. Well, you get married to the nice little Frankenstein man that he is. 
and then we move into his house honestly it was a huge upgrade in my life i mean i got I all of a sudden was getting everything. I, in my opinion, we were living in a mansion because we had moved from the condo, which I love the condo. It was huge. But, you know, this is when I can start getting like my memories and start remembering them. And I just remember the place being huge. It was close to grandma's house. I had a trampoline. I was outside all the freaking time. Like we had the coolest memories in there. I remember doing Christmas and the big front living room and how it had like the cool like push out windows, just all the traditions, like singing Christmas music and getting decorations for Halloween, my super cool 80s bedroom, and that's when I had a water bed, and that's when I got my queen size bed. I was so spoiled. Yes, you were. <laughs> you were completely spoiled. I really had no idea. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Okay, but everything, as everything, there were so many positives not everything was obviously on point and I do remember you two fighting and obviously at that age I don't fully know what's going on obviously I know that arguing means negative I can sense that but I do remember at some point we did move to grandma's why did we do that I I think it was kind of a controlling issue with him and I had tried to talk to him it didn't seem to like stick very well and I don't think he took me as serious as I wanted him to so we just moved back to grandma's which we stayed there only for it was about a month and then we ended up moving back in with him and he then understood that when I had something to say I'm in it now did that play out very good the rest of the time probably not but he did understand that when I said something I I meant it that I don't like to backtrack and once I make my mind up it's pretty much that's the way it's going to go so we ended up moving back in and things were great for the longest time and we ended up um, he got a job promotion that was going to take him to Chicago and this is what ended up pushing us into getting married was I did not want to move into another state without being married just because was it did that have to do with anything of me having my dad because I do I forgot to kind of bring this back in that when you two when you and my real dad got separated and then you and my you and Frank started dating and eventually got married my real dad was still coming into my life but it wasn't it wasn't very much but what I, I just remember our relationship just it was so weird it was like you're here in my life sometimes but you're not and then I do have Fr you know Frank in my life now who did care for me and I did see him way more often than I did my real dad like what was kind of going on behind the scenes for me well your dad still lived in another state and he would come once sometimes twice a year to visit his other daughter and while he was visiting her he would you know come spend half a day with you he just he just didn't seem to have like fatherly skills I mean we I packed a bag that had sunblock it had a jacket it had extra clothes I mean wipes everything you need for a child sent it with you to, he was taking you to the amusement park and he didn't put anything on you and you came home and you looked like a strawberry you were so red it was the craziest thing and from that point forward I just thought this guy just doesn't even know how to take care of kids so I I was okay with him you know not being there very much because when he was there it was a disaster 
and he just he didn't know how to bond or or he just kind of drug you around there there was no closeness there was no something something was just lacking and i think that it was the same with his first daughter and i kind of saw that and that's hence why i did not get married but he was he would come into town or even when we had moved, we had always offered for him to come spend time with you. And he just never took us up on that. I just don't think he was ready to be a dad. Well, he fucking missed out. He did. <laughs> I feel sorry for him. It's crazy because I don't even know him. I it's, it's so wild to me that there's half of me. I have no idea. And now, even thinking about it now, because of course I don't resent him. I did for a very long time just because it was like you had me and you, you didn't love me. You didn't want me. And growing up and seeing other kids kids with their parents and stuff it just you know it was something I had to work through definitely later on I definitely have and and then also if you at that age you're coming in you're leaving you're coming in you're you're leaving to me I was like it's almost like a game if I did I do something wrong did I not did you know I don't I don't fully know what's going on later on obviously I had my thoughts and I've worked through those and but was he did he ever get weird when frank entered the picture i don't know if weird is the right word i again i don't think he was ready to really be a full-time dad i i just never seemed to have had that and like i said i noticed that off from the get-go i think he might have gotten a little jealous when frank entered the picture because he had spent so much time with you and doing stuff and he had never really been around kids and he was so excited to just to teach you things and guide you and show you so much stuff that even I didn't know about. And I think that your dad would see that at times and just would pull back even more. But I, I wasn't really that worried about it because like you, I grew up without a dad as well. And I had a lot of the same feelings that you did, but I knew that you would still be strong enough even without that. And was that right on my part? Probably not. But again, I knew I did it and I knew you could do it. Well, I think that also having Frank come into my life, a possibility, my real dad saw that and was like, well, he can definitely provide a lot better of a future of a life and he kind of was like okay well you know he is such a dominant figure now in the picture like I'm gonna back off and that that probably did go through his head you know but again he didn't make much effort either so I'm not gonna give him that much credit yeah <laughs> I tried man <laughs> and I don't even know you <laughs> but okay so he honestly I don't really remember much of him but Frank, going back to him, um, back together, then we go to Chicago, and I know it was because a better paying job, and I also remember kind of starting then, your desire was always to end up in California. Did you help push Frank to get better jobs or was it on him? Because that's truly how I feel is that we went from Ohio to all through the different states, but it kept getting like better and better and better. And it was like closer to the goal. So 
when did the goal to come to California become a thing? Well, I believe when you're married, you're supposed to support, you know, your husband. And I definitely did that. And I definitely encouraged him to, he, he was always very good in business anyway, but he, in his own head, saw himself as being a head of a company. And I tried to encourage that as much as possible. So when the opportunities came up that he could become the vice president and then president or regional manager or whatever it was with whatever job. Ew, corporate. Absolutely. But he was good at it. And some people, they're just, that's their thing. And that was definitely him. And I encouraged it. And when the opportunities again arose, it's like, okay, then let's, let's move. Let's do this. And, you know, eventually we'll be making enough money that we can head to California because from the time I was probably 11-ish, I knew California is where I wanted to be. And then after being in Ohio, which I hated, I certainly didn't want to raise you there. Chicago was nice, but again, that's not where I wanted to be. So the goal was California. And he he was good on that. He enjoyed California as well. We just didn't know how it was going to happen. I think that's super awesome. You supporting him and that always being the plan. Because honestly, I can't even imagine who I would be, how I would be, what I would be doing if we were still in Ohio, still in Chicago, still in any of the states. I feel like California is such an awesome place to be raised because there's just so many different cultures and experiences and it's a melting pot basically well yeah and i i was raised in alabama and it was very racist and as a child i saw that people got treated different because of the color of their skin and i never understood that and i knew that california and a lot of the major cities are melting pots and i never wanted you to think of someone differently because of their color their shade whatever and you didn't you came out here and you met a lot of different people from a lot of different cultures and you always just assumed they were people which is the way i felt and that was important for me to have you grow up in a situation like that i personally i always loved having friends from different cultures because what they did inside their homes was always just so different than how I was raised. So it was always such a learning experience. It was different foods, you know, different traditions. I love that. So moving forward, long story short, because I know relationships have their ups and their downs, but we went from Ohio to Chicago to then Vegas to then Kansas to California. And through those, honestly, I remember being in each place probably maybe six months. And I remember each time just thinking like, oh, got to start over again. <laughs> like, honestly, I would sometimes make up the craziest because I was still lying a lot during this time. Um, I feel like I was also rebellion, 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 rebellion. Thank you. <laughs> quite a little bit more because I just I, I wasn't fitting in I I was making up these crazy stories about my past I used to tell people I did BMX I I would tell a lot of things I didn't hear that one <laughs> that's new probably because you would have called me on my bullshit oh absolutely I know what to say around you <laughs> But I don't think you rebelled that much. I thought you were you were actually a really good good kid. We, we I wasn't that good in school though. Okay, well, 
you know, that's, that's different. That doesn't make a person. <laughs> that's right. School doesn't matter. I'm just kidding. For real fast, just to give the listeners kind of a little background story. Well, my rebellion was I would... <laughs> One time I got in trouble in school and I needed my mom's signature, but I obviously did not want to tell her why I got in trouble. And I don't even remember why I got in trouble, but I asked my mom because we were every year, me, my stepdad and my mom, we would always go to Florida and choose an amusement park because that was our always our thing. And Disney and getting the signatures from the animals and Mickey Mouse and all that. So I had a, so I was really big into autographs. And so one morning I needed to turn in this, this thing. <laughs> I asked my mom for her autograph. And what was going through your mind when I asked you that? I thought it was the strangest thing. You're like, mom, if you were a rock star, how would you sign your name? And I'm going, the hell do you need this for? I don't know. I'm not a rock star. And you're like, well, let's just practice. And you were practicing your name and I was practicing my name. And I just kind of let it go. I had no idea what you were going to do with this. So we played around, we did some autographs, and I'm like, okay, you're done, and you went off to school. So what I did with that autograph <laughs> was I cut it out, and I first signed. So where I, you know, really fucked up was my mom is an artist, so she has, like, all these art things, and she had this light-up easel type of thing where you could, it was to trace, and you would turn it on, you could put a paper and you could put a paper over a paper and you could sign. Well, I practiced signing her signature and I messed up so many times. I just, I, I couldn't even show her the piece of paper because I would have gotten in trouble for getting caught of trying to sign her name. So I got her autograph. I cut it out. I tape it on. I think, you know what? I got this in the back. I make up this crazy story saying like, oh, maybe my mom's sick or it was really early in the morning and she kept missing the line. So I had, she messed up so many times and I had to put her on that. Um, and I definitely got very caught for that one. That, that was the saddest thing ever. Frank thought that was clever on your part, but I was disappointed in it because I just thought you could have been a lot more clever the way you took the piece of paper and you tore it out and you put a big X of tape on top of it. It wasn't like it was little pieces. It was huge pieces of tape on this thing. It was so obvious. And it's like, oh my God, if this is her creativity, I have not done my part. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Well, well, that was my rebellion. So after Vegas, we then go to Kansas. Kansas, honestly, I don't really remember much. I feel like we were there only there for maybe like six months. I think we were there for almost two years. It was closer to two years. No way. I just remember sitting in my room a lot. I feel, oh, this is when you went blind. Yes. Holy shit. So... You have had the craziest medical... I feel like we're kind of going all over the place, but whatever. You had crazy medical problems, and I remember you having to get a ton of eye surgeries. And then is this also when the migraine stuff came on? That started two years after you were born. I had extreme vertigo and migraines for like 20-something years. The eye problems, I had cataracts not once but twice, and then I had retinal tears. And after the retinal tears, I was completely blind, and Grandma had to come and stay with us and help me take care of you, and that lasted for another, I don't know, two months before I got my sight back. 
Yeah, this was a super crazy time because I just remember, oh my God, my mom just went blind. You're having these migraines. I know the tension was high, probably between you and Frank. I mean, I can't even imagine. I just remember sitting in my room a lot, and this was the time I started playing a lot of computer games and all that stuff. After all of that, you got your eyesight back, which was a miracle, which I still to this day don't fully understand how that happened, but we will get into that in a much later episode because this is all about fatherless behavior. <laughs> How did we move? Because right after Kansas, we went to California. How did we go there? Frank's best friend was getting married in California. He lived in Corona Del Mar and his new wife or soon to be wife was living in Newport Beach. So I came out to meet her and ended up falling in love with her. She was just an absolute wonderful person. She had a family like I had that was a very close-knit family, and they just kind of took us in, and I knew that we had made the right decision at that point, and I told him he had to come find a job in California. We were moving to California. This is when my life got so much fun because they had, well, she had two sons that were literally my age. One was older than me and literally had the same exact birthday, which I always thought was so cool. And then the other one was a year younger and they just had the coolest friends. And we need to mention they were very wealthy, very, very wealthy. And they spoiled i i learned a whole different level of spoiling and it was so much fun they were they had lake houses they had desert houses i mean we were doing all the things and then we move here and we continue the friendship and it's it's just so much fun um i do feel that i was getting spoiled even more which was definitely you know only child already spoiled now i'm really getting spoiled but i always felt that because they were because we were well off 1000 percent, or at least in my head we were well off they were extra well off but i always felt that frank was trying to compete with his friend because we always had to do the most extravagant things and also i mean maybe even including his work he i just feel like there was always a there was always a show or a production with him Oh, absolutely. Frank was very showy. Um, and then he got into the entertainment business is where his job in California led him. So we were hanging out with celebrities and superstars and going to parties that people didn't even know existed. We could go to the Emmys, the Grammys, Super Bowls, just whatever we wanted to do. His company was in touch with all of that. So we went to movie premieres, uh, TV shows when Dexter first came out and Weeds first came out. We went to the premiere parties for those and met all the people, you know, in the cast and people that ran HBO and people that ran, you know, Cinemax and all that kind of stuff. That was your exposure. So you were meeting a lot of people that a normal person in California would never have met. I totally wish that I was a little bit older at that time just so I had more of like a consciousness of what was truly going on and the people I was actually meeting because honestly I knew I knew how cool it was that I was able to go to these like premieres and stuff because my friends in my school were not doing the same thing. Well, and your friends enjoyed it, too, because we would take you guys to, like, movie premieres, and they would have food out and games, and you could win all kinds of prizes, and you would come home with just handfuls of stuff. 
and your friends all loved it. They could go watch the movie and then go and do all the activities, act, the activities and stuff for whatever the movie was. So, yeah, I mean, you, you guys had a lot of fun. Dude, I was looking back right now. I was so spoiled because I remember also every year going to the X Games. That was so much fun. But I also like because I was able to do all these things, there was a certain part of me that thinking that my friends were only friends with me because of that. But I feel like you with my friends, you always, you know, helped me out. That was something I really admired and appreciated about Frank because he was able to show me a whole different side of life that I would have never been able to see. And I started to really learn a lot of street smart and business mindset because of him. Yeah, he he knew business. He knew how to talk to people. He was always reading like Machiavelli. I'm trying to think of the other ones. But anyway, so he understood to be a good leader that you have to lead with your people. You can't expect somebody to do something that you wouldn't do yourself. And he truly believed that and everybody that worked for him really appreciated him because he appreciated their hard work. I love that I got so much business advice from him because it has helped me excel through life at a great speed. Obviously, I was very young and I probably didn't listen to half of the shit that he told me because at that age, like, wh who wants to hear that? But I always found it interesting because you guys had your ups and downs and with any relationship that's, you know, expected. But for myself, as much as he was in my life, I could never depend on him emotionally. He just was never emotionally there. And I also felt like that started to also be the sense for you. I could be wrong, you know, I can't talk for you, but kind of explain that. No, he he was definitely um, one person at work and a different person when he came home. And I always thought there was mentally maybe something wrong and I would talk to his friends about it, one who was a psychiatrist and the other was a doctor. And they always kind of blew me off like, no, you know, he just, he's moody or something like that. But I, I always knew there was more. And eventually I did learn that there was definitely a medical problem. And I should have hoped, I wish I'd have known about it earlier. Yeah, I remember in high school, I just remember really shutting off at home because this is also when you got very, very sick. You two were... It was just a weird environment. I felt like it was walking on eggshells because I wasn't emotionally, you know, connected with him. I, I didn't really have any desire to go out of my way to talk unless it was about school or business or, you know, something of that sort. And then with you, I couldn't really talk to because you were on, you know, your medications and that's a whole, you know, another thing that I just I couldn't wrap my head around because I'm trying to have fun in high school but I got this going on and high school was definitely just a very interesting time I know you when you were fine you did the best that you could and he <laughs> tried to fill in some type of role I don't really know 
But towards the end of high school, disagreements got worse. Like I could tell there was a lot more tension. I know we were always very close and you're always very open with me. And I know that you weren't looking to stay any longer, but you did keep staying, which I never fully understood. So why did it take you so long to get out of a situation that you knew wasn't right for you anymore? Well, I was on a lot of medication, so my mind was never quite right. It wasn't sharp. I couldn't really think down the road what, you know, the future, I, I didn't have a future. But with, with his medical, you never knew if he was going to be nice or mean or angry or whatever. And that really started playing into it a lot. So I tried to be as open with you as I could. And the only reason I stayed in, I ended up staying in an extra, it was almost two years, because when I finally made up my mind that I was done, I didn't want to walk away and be in a lot of debt after our divorce. So he, he was very impulsive and would spend money like it was going out of style and ran a bunch of credit card debt up. And when you divorce, you end up with half that. And I was not walking away with debt. So I stayed in it again, two years. I probably shouldn't have, um, but I wanted to get you through high school and I wanted to get that all paid off and walk away pretty much clean so I could start over. I mean, that's smart. I'm, <laughs> I don't know what I would have done if, cause I've never been in that situation, but I think that's definitely smart. That was definitely probably really hard for you though. Well, absolutely, because I was still going through vertigo and migraines and still on medication and, you know, was for the next five or six years afterwards. So, yeah, it, it was a very hard decision because I wasn't sure what I was going to do, but I knew I had to be out. Well, I also kind of think back to your medical condition and how you were bedridden for months on end. I can't even imagine, like, you know, if you were to get a divorce what would happen but I will have to say finally it happened and for myself I was like oh shit I knew we were gonna get through it but I also was just so because you hadn't worked for 13 years uh, I, I can't even explain because I was like, I don't make any money. <laughs> um, like, I, I obviously, I didn't know how divorce works and alimony and all that stuff. But especially for you, like, what was that like? Oh, it was pretty scary. But it was scarier thinking, I can't get out of this. And again, once I had made my mind up that everything went toward that. I didn't care what I had to do. I just had to get to a certain point so I could get out and just be free again. And I just... I never wanted you to think that women were weak and, you know, you just stay in something even if it's not right. I mean, that meant a lot to me, too, for you to know you're your own person and you've got to make your own choices for you. And hopefully the people around you are supportive and help. But even if they're not, you have to depend on you. I love that. I love that because I definitely... I saw that, especially from you being so sick to then getting getting every all the courage, everything you possibly can to get out of a situation that you're no longer happy with. And yeah, you could have probably definitely studied and comfortable, but you knew that wasn't right. And so you got out of it. And obviously there was a lot of scary decisions and a lot of scary things that you had to go through. I mean, I remember you kind of freaking out about 
where we were going to go and also like switching your name and all the things that you were going to have to do just to almost become like your own individual. That's what, that's what kind of scares me about, about marriage is that when you get together, you literally become one person. And if it doesn't work out, you got to fight for your life just to get your individually individuality back. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a big change, but you have to make that commitment to yourself that you deserve better and once you do that then you just take step and step and next step until you get there so it was scary but i knew it was right hell yeah again i i really admire you for being able to get you out of that situation i know it wasn't the best and i know that especially with women they get in relationships and the way our society teaches teaches women about relationships and you know you're really only supposed to get married once and you know no matter what happens you're supposed to like work it out with the man and just just all that toxic thinking in my opinion there's so many women that can't get themselves they don't see the other side so I really really do admire you and this is why I think you're literally the strongest person I've ever met with all the things that you've been through. But after you get a divorce, funny enough, so Frank was in my life from three until I was like 20, 19, 20. Basically my dad. I never really called him my dad. Now when people asked, I would always say he was my stepdad, but to his face, his name was always Frank. Frank this, Frank that. And Oh, something about him that I feel like I need to mention is that he would tell everybody, this is like my real daughter, I love her so much, this and that, and after you guys get a divorce, I have talked to him one time, and it's been over seven, eight, almost nine years, and I've talked to him once, and for me, that was so hard because it was like, oh, another man doesn't love me. And so I'm so curious, and this is actually my first time ever asking you, how did you feel about him saying all those things and being in my life for so long? And then with what had happened, he just completely like, because you guys separated, that means we separated. Yeah, I, I was pissed. I did not understand how he could do that because he was such a big figure in your life for so many years. And then when we got divorced, it's like, well, that had nothing to do with you. And why he didn't keep in touch with you, I do not know. I, I have questioned him. You know, he said something at one time that you should have reached out. And I'm like, she's the child here. You're the adult. But he does talk highly about you. I, I, I have no answer for that. I, I don't understand it at all because you are always such a great kid and he did. He talked about what a great father he was, this, that, and the other. And when, you know, it was over, he was done. He was gone. <laughs> well, I had two of them <laughs> happen to me. But, you know, at first I, I took a lot of years to work through those and I'm sure that you saw me go through relationships and you kind of maybe saw the hurt and the trauma from the way I acted. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah, I think it devastated you and I, that hurt me because I'm sure you felt like here's another one, you know, that didn't love me. And that just wasn't the case. He was just basically a jackass at the end and unfortunately you got hurt with it. But it's cool now. I mean, I, well, it's not cool, <laughs> but I, it took a couple years, but I don't resent him anymore. And I, I do know that he, 
did the best that he could have done with the background that he had. Again, yes, he came from a very messed up family as well, um, very abusive family. He didn't really have much to pull from from his past on how to raise a child. And again, this is part of this stuff I've been trying to teach you is you depend on yourself. And if someone else can't live up to that standard, then they go. And unfortunately, after we got divorced, I really expected him to keep in touch with you, which he didn't. And I kind of wrote him off as well. You know, it was like, you don't need people like that to be in your life. And that's a wrap. <laughs> but what's what's cool is actually you guys still talk on, I, I don't know if it's a regular basis. I know probably pretty often and kind of describe what the relationship is now. He's still a very angry person and he likes to go off on different subjects, a lot of political subjects he likes to just get carried away with. So he calls me probably eh, once a week, once every other week, just to download me on what he's pissed off about for this week. I am very, I'm nice. We get along and I don't like to have anybody, you know, resentful or hateful. So I, I prefer to get along with anybody and everybody. So I keep it very light. You know, if he ever needed anything, I've known him for so long, I'd, I'd help him. But would I confide in him anything? No. <laughs> I think it would be so fun because of how much work that I've done myself. And like I said, I don't resent him anymore. And because he was such a huge part of my developing years, I think it'd be so fun to all like do a lunch. I know he doesn't live here. He lives in a different state, but... I really would love to make it happen for us just to have one maybe last dinner, lunch ever, just to bullshit and also be able to look at him and just listen to him speak with the mindset I now have because I'm not a little child anymore and I could probably call him out on most bullshit. Absolutely. That would be interesting. We'll have to definitely do that. Well, I think we pretty much touched upon my crazy childhood with men. <laughs> I just want to say thank you so much for coming on here. I know this was literally, I came to you last night and I was like, would you do my podcast? Like, you'll explain it so much better. So thank you for coming on here and giving the audience the better story because I definitely did not remember half of all of this. And I hope we'll have you on again soon. Sounds good. I hope I uh, cleared up anything you wanted and, you know, let you know kind of what happened since you were too little to totally understand. Well, I love you. I love you. Okay, bye. <laughs> I just want to give my mom another huge thank you for, one, coming onto the podcast, but two, for being so open. I am seriously so lucky to have such an amazing mom. Truthfully, she is the one who showed me never to settle. You are the one in charge of your life. My father's taught me that we can't hold grudges. We can't resent someone forever. It's wasted energy. I know they did their best with the knowledge that they had, and that's all I can ask for. Until next time, I hope you have a wonderful day.